0: Chapter 10, verses 23 through 37, of Catina Aria, Gospel of St. Luke, Part 1, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 23 and 24, And as he turned unto his disciples, and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you, that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Theophylact, having said above, no one knoweth who the Father is but the Son, and to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. He pronounces a blessing upon his disciples, to whom the Father was revealed through him. Hence it is said, and he turned unto his disciples, and said, Blessed are your eyes, etc. Cyril, he turns to them indeed, since he rejected the Jews who were deaf, with their understandings blinded, and not wishing to see, and gives himself wholly to those who love him. And he pronounces those eyes blessed which see the things no others had seen before. We must, however, know this, that seeing does not signify the action of the eyes, but the pleasure which the mind receives from benefits conferred. For instance, if any one should say, he hath seen good times, that is, he has rejoiced in good times, according to the psalm, Thou shalt see the good of Israel. For many Jews have seen Christ performing divine works, that is to say, with their bodily sight. Yet all were not fitted to receive the blessing, for they believed not, but these saw not his glory with their mental sight. Blessed then are our eyes, since we see by faith the word who is made man for us, shedding upon us the glory of his Godhead that he may make us like unto him by sanctification and righteousness. Theophylact. Now he blesses them, and all truly who look with faith, because the ancient prophets and kings desired to see and hear God in the flesh, as it follows, For I say unto you that many prophets and kings have desired, etc. Bede. Matthew more clearly calls them prophets and righteous men, For those are great kings, who have known how, not by yielding to escape from the assaults of temptations, but by mastering to gain the rule over them. Chrysostom Now from this saying, many imagine that the prophets were without the knowledge of Christ. But if they desired to see what the apostles saw, they knew that he would come to men, and dispense those things which he did. For no one desires that he has no conception of, They therefore knew the Son of God. Hence he does not merely say, They desired to see me, but those things which ye see, nor to hear me, but those things which ye hear. For they saw him, but not yet incarnate, nor thus conversing with men, nor speaking with such authority to them. Bede. For those looking afar off saw him in a glass and darkly, but the apostles having our Lord present with them Whatever things they wished to learn had no need to be taught by angels, nor any other kind of vision. Origin, but why does he say that many prophets desired and not all? Because it was said of Abraham that he saw the day of Christ and was glad, which sight not many, but few attain to. But there were other prophets and just men, not so great as to reach to Abraham's vision, and the experience of the apostles who, he says, saw not, but desired to see. Verses 25-28 through And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself and he said unto him thou hast answered right this do and thou shall live bead our lord had told his disciples above that their names were written in heaven from this it seems to me the lawyer took occasion of tempting our lord as it is said and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him Cyril. For there were in fact certain men who then went about the whole country of the Jews, bringing charges against Christ, and saying that he spoke of the commands of Moses as useless, and himself introduced certain strange doctrines. A lawyer then, wishing to entrap Christ into saying something against Moses, comes and tempts him, calling him master, though not bearing to be his disciple, And because our Lord was wont to speak to those who came to him concerning eternal life, the lawyer adopts this kind of language. And since he tempted him subtly, he receives no other answer than the command given by Moses. For it follows, he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Ambrose, for he was one of those who think themselves skilled in the law, and who keep the letter of the law, while they know nothing of its spirit. From a part of the law itself, our Lord proves them to be ignorant of the law, showing that at the very first the law preached the Father and the Son, and announced the sacraments of the Lord's incarnation. For it follows, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. Basil By saying with all thy mind, he does not admit of any division of love to other things. For whatever love you cast on lower things necessarily takes away from the whole. For as a vessel full of liquid, whatever flows therefrom must so diminish its fullness. So also the soul, whatever love it has wasted upon things unlawful, has so much lessened its love to God. Gregory of Nisau. How the soul is divided into three faculties, one merely of growth and vegetation, such as is found in plants, another which relates to the senses, which is preserved in the nature of irrational animals. But the perfect faculty of the soul is that of reason, which is seen in human nature. By saying then the heart, he signified the bodily substance, that is, the vegetative. By the soul the mental or the sensitive but by saying the mind, the higher nature, that is, the intellectual or reflective faculty. Theophylact, we must hereby understand that it becomes us to submit every power of the soul to the divine love, and that resolutely, not slackly. Hence it is added, and with all thy strength. Maximinius, to this end then the law commanded a threefold love to God, that it might pluck us away from the threefold fashion of the world as touching possessions, glory, and pleasure, wherein also Christ was tempted. Basil, but if anyone asks how the love of God is to be obtained, we are sure that the love of God cannot be taught, for neither did we learn to rejoice in the presence of light, or to embrace life, or to love our parents and children, much less were we taught the love of God. But a certain seminal principle was implanted in us, which has within itself the cause that man clings to god which principle the teaching of the divine commands is wont to cultivate diligently to foster watchfully and to carry on to the perfection of divine grace for naturally we love good we love also what is our own and akin to us we likewise of our own accord pour forth all our affections on our benefactors if then god is good But all things desire that good, which is wrought voluntarily. He is by nature inherent in us. And although from his goodness we are far from knowing him, yet from the very fact that we proceeded forth from him, we are bound to love him with exceeding love, as in truth akin to us. He is likewise also a greater benefactor than all whom by nature we love here. And again, The love of God, then, is the first and chief command. But the second, as filling up the first and filled up by it, bids us to love our neighbor. Hence it follows, and thy neighbor as thyself. But we have an instinct given us by God to perform this command. As who does not know that man is a kind and social animal? For nothing belongs so much to our nature as to communicate with one another, and mutually to need and love our relations. Of those things, then, of which, in the first place, he gave us the seed, he afterwards requires the fruits. Chrysostom. Yet observe how, almost to the same extent of obedience, he requires the performance of each command. For of God, he says, with all thy heart, of our neighbor as thyself, which if it were diligently kept, there would be neither slave nor freeman neither conqueror nor conquered, or rather, neither prince nor subject, rich nor poor, nor would the devil be even known, for the chafe would rather stand the touch of fire than the devil the fervor of love. So surpassing all things is the constancy of love. Gregory. But since it is said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, how is he merciful in taking compassion upon another, who still, by unrighteousness living, is unmerciful to himself. Cyril, when the lawyer had answered the things contained in the law, Christ, to whom all things were known, cut to pieces his crafty nets. For it follows, and he said to him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. Origin. from these words it is undoubtedly gathered that the life which is preached according to God, the creator of the world, And the scripture given by him is life everlasting. For the Lord himself bears testimony to the passage from Deuteronomy. For thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And from Leviticus, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But these things were spoken against the followers of Valentinius, Basil, and Marcion. For what else did he wish us to do in seeking eternal life? But what is contained in the law and the prophets? Verses 29 through 37. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Cyril, The lawyer, when praised by our Savior for having answered right, breaks forth into pride, thinking that he had no neighbor, as though there was no one to be compared to him in righteousness. Hence it is said, But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? For somehow first one sin, and then another takes him captive. From the cunning with which he sought to tempt Christ, he falls into pride. But here when asking, Who is my neighbor? he proves himself to be devoid of love for his neighbor, since he did not consider anyone to be his neighbor, and consequently of the love of God, for he who loves not his brother whom he sees cannot love God whom he does not see. Ambrose, he answered that he knew not his neighbor because he believed not on Christ, and he who knows not Christ knows not the law. For being ignorant of the truth, How can he know the law which makes known the truth? Theophilact, Now our Savior defines a neighbor not in respect of actions or honor, but of nature, as if he says, Think not that because thou art righteous, thou hast no neighbor, for all who partake of the same nature are thy neighbors. Be thou also their neighbor, not in place, but in affection and solicitude for them. And in addition to this, He brings forward the Samaritan as an example. As it follows, And Jesus answering him said, A certain man went down, etc. Greek Expositor He has well used the general term, for he says not a certain one went down, but a certain man, for his discourse was of the whole human race. Augustine For that man is taken for Adam himself, representing the race of man, Jerusalem the city of peace. That heavenly country from the bliss of which he fell. Jericho is interpreted to be the moon, and signifies our mortality, because it rises, increases, wanes, and sets. Pseudo Augustine. Or by Jerusalem, which is by interpretation the site of peace, we mean paradise. For before man sinned, he was in sight of peace, that is, in paradise. Whatever he saw was peace, and going hence he descended. As if brought low and made wretched by sin into Jericho, that is, in the world, in which all things that are born die as the moon. Theophylact. Now he says not descended, but was descending, for human nature was ever tending downwards, and not for a time only, but throughout busied about a life liable to suffering. Basil. This interpretation corresponds to the places. If anyone will examine them, for Jericho lies in the low parts of Palestine. Jerusalem is seated on an eminence, occupying the crest of a mountain. The man then came from the high parts to the low, to fall into the hands of the robbers, who infested the desert, as it follows, and he fell among thieves. Chrysostom First we must needs pity the ill fortune of the man who fell unarmed and helpless among robbers. And who was so rash and unwise as to choose the road in which he could not escape the attack of robbers? For the unarmed can never escape the armed, the heedless the villain, the unwary the malicious, since malice is ever armed with guile, fenced round with cruelty, fortified with deceit and ready for fierce attack. Ambrose, but who are those robbers but the angels of night and darkness, among whom he had not fallen, unless by deviating from the divine command he had placed himself in their way. Chrysostom. At the beginning of the world, then, the devil accomplished his treacherous attack upon man, against whom he practiced the poison of deceit, and directed all the deadliness of his malice. Augustine. He fell then among robbers, that is, the devil and his angels, who through the disobedience of the first man stripped the race of mankind of the ornaments of virtue and wounded him, that is, by ruining the gift of the power of free will. Hence it follows, who stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, then departed. For to that man sinning he gave a wound, but to us many wounds, since to one sin which we contract we add many. Augustine. Or they stripped man of his immortality, and wounding him by persuading to sin, left him half dead. For wherein he is able to understand and know God, man is alive. But wherein he is corrupted and pressed down by sins, he is dead. And this is what is added, leaving him half dead. Pseudo Augustine. For the half dead has his vital function, that is, free will wounded in that he is not able to return to the eternal life which he has lost. And therefore he lay, because he had not strength of his own, sufficient to rise and seek a physician, that is, God to heal him. Theophylact Or man after sin is said to be half dead, because his soul is immortal, but his body mortal, so that the half of man is under death. Or because his human nature hoped to obtain salvation in Christ, so as not altogether to lie under death. But in that Adam had sinned, death entered in the world. In the righteousness of Christ, death was to be destroyed. Ambrose, or they stripped us of the garments which we have received of spiritual grace, and so are wont to inflict wounds. For if we keep the unspotted garments we have put on, we cannot feel the wounds of robbers. Basil, or may be understood that they stripped us after first inflicting wounds, or wounds precede nakedness, as sin precedes the absence of grace. Bede. But sins are called wounds because the perfectness of human nature is violated by them. And they departed not by ceasing to lie in wait, but by hiding the craft of their devices. Chrysostom. Here then was man, that is, Adam, lying destitute of aid of salvation, pierced with the wounds of his sins, whom neither Aaron the high priest passing by could advantage by his sacrifice. For it follows, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Nor again could his brother Moses the Levite assist him by the law. As it follows, And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Augustine, or by the priest and the Levite, two times are represented, namely, of the law and the prophets. By the priest the law is signified, by which the priesthood and sacrifices were appointed, by the Levites the prophecies of the prophets, in whose times the law of mankind could not heal because by the law came the knowledge, not the doing away of sin. Theophilact. But, he says, passed by, because the law came and stood till its time foreordained. Then, not being able to cure, departed. Mark also that the law was not given with this previous intention that it should cure man. For man could not, from the beginning, receive the mystery of Christ, And therefore it is said, and by chance there came a certain priest, which expression we use with respect to those things which happen without forethought, Augustine, or it is said, passed by, because the man who came down from Jerusalem to Jericho is believed to have been an Israelite, and the priest who came down, certainly his neighbor by birth, passed him by lying on the ground, and a Levite also came by, likewise his neighbor by birth, and he also despised him as he lay. Theophylact, they pitied him. I say, when they thought about him, but afterwards, overcome by selfishness, they went away again, for this is signified by the word, passed him by. Augustine, a Samaritan coming by, far removed by birth, very near in compassion, acted as follows. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, etc. In whom our Lord Jesus Christ would have himself typified. For Samaritan is interpreted to be a keeper. And it is said of him, He shall not slumber nor sleep who keeps Israel. Since being raised from the dead, he dieth no more. Lastly, when it was said to him, Thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil, he said he had not a devil, for he knew himself to be the caster out of devils. He did not deny that he was the keeper of the weak. Greek Expositor, Now Christ here fully calls himself a Samaritan, for in addressing the lawyer who was glorifying in the law, he wished to express that neither priest nor Levite, nor all they who were conversant with the law, fulfilled the requirements of the law. But he came to accomplish the ordinances of the law. Ambrose, Now this Samaritan was also coming down. For who is he that ascended upon into heaven, but he who came down from heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven? Theophylact, But he says journeying, as though he purposely determined this in order to cure us. Augustine. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, therefore near to him as it were in likeness. Greek Expositor. Or he came by the way, for he was a true traveler, not a wanderer, and came down to earth for our sakes. Ambrose. Now when he came, he was made very near to us by his taking upon himself our infirmities. He became a neighbor by bestowing compassion. Hence it follows, And when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. Pseudo-Augustine. Seeing him lying down, weak and motionless, And therefore was he moved with compassion, because he saw in him nothing to merit a cure. But he himself for sin condemned, sin in the flesh. Hence it follows, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Augustine, for what so distant, what so far removed, as God from man, the immortal from the mortal, the just from sinners, not in distance of place, but of likeness? Since then he had in him two good things, righteousness and immortality, and we two evils, that is, unrighteousness and mortality. If he had taken upon him both our evils, he would have been our equal, and with us have had need of a deliverer, that he might be then not what we are, but near us. He was made not a sinner, as thou art, but mortal like unto thee, by taking upon himself punishment, not taking upon himself guilt. He destroyed both the punishment and the guilt. Augustine, the binding up of wounds is the checking of sins. Oil is the consolation of a good hope by the pardon given for the reconciliation of man. Wine is the enticement to work fervently in spirit. Ambrose, or he binds up our wounds by a stricter commandment, As by oil, he soothes by the remission of sin. As by wine, he pricks to the heart by the denunciation of judgment. Gregory, or in the wine, he applies the sharpness of constraint. In the oil, the softness of mercy. By wine, let the corrupt parts be washed. By oil, let the healing parts be assuaged. We must then mix gentleness with severity. We must so combine the two that those who are put under us be neither exasperated by our excessive harshness, nor be relaxed by too much kindness. Theophilact. Or else intercourse with man is the oil, and intercourse with God is the wine which signifies divinity, which no one can endure unmixed unless oil be added. That is human intercourse. Hence he worked some things humanly, some divinely. He poured then in oil and wine, as having saved us both by his human and his divine nature, Chrysostom, or he poured in wine, that is, the blood of his passion, and oil, that is, the anointing of the chrism, that pardon might be granted by his blood, sanctification be conferred by the chrism. The wounded parts are bound up by the heavenly physician, and containing a salve within themselves, are by the working of the remedy restored to their former soundness. Having poured in wine and oil, he places him upon his beast, as it follows, and placing him upon his beast, etc. Augustine, his beast is our flesh, in which he has condescended to come to us. To be placed on the beast is to believe in the incarnation of Christ. Ambrose, or he places us on his beast, in that he bears our sins and is afflicted for us. For man hath been made like to the beasts, Therefore he placed us on his beast, that we might not be as horse and mule, in order that by taking upon him our body, he might abolish the weakness of our flesh. Theophilact, or he placed us on his beast, that is, on his body, for he hath made us his members and partakers of his body. The law indeed did not take in all the Moabites, and the Ammonites shall not enter into the church of God. But now in every nation he that feareth the Lord is accepted by him, who is willing to believe and become a part of the church. Wherefore he says that he brought him to an inn, Chrysostom, for the inn is the church which receives travelers who are tired with their journey through the world and oppressed with the load of their sins, where the wearied traveler casting down the burdens of his sins is relieved and after being refreshed is restored with wholesome food, And this is what is here said, and took care of him. For without is everything that is conflicting, hurtful, and evil, while within the end is contained all rest and health. Bede. And rightly he brought him placed on his beast, since no one, except he be united to Christ's body by baptism, shall enter the church. Ambrose. But as the Samaritan had not time to stay longer on the earth, He must needs return to the place whence he descended, as it follows, and on the morrow he took out two pence, etc. What is the morrow but perchance the day of our Lord's resurrection, of which it was said, This is the day the Lord hath made. But the two pence of the two covenants, which bear stamped on them the image of the eternal King, by the price of which our wounds are healed. Augustine, or the two pence are the commandments of love which the apostles received from the Holy Spirit to preach to others, or the promise of the present life and that which is to come. Origen, or the two pence seem to me to be the knowledge of the sacrament, in what manner the Father is in the Son, and the Son in the Father, which is given as a reward by the angel to the church, that she may take more diligent care of the man entrusted to her whom in the shortness of time he himself had also cured. And it is promised that whatsoever she should spend on the cure of that half-dead man should be restored to her again. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Augustine, the innkeeper was the apostle, who spent more either in giving counsel, as he says, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment." or in working even with his own hands, that he might not trouble any of the weak in the newness of the gospel, though it was lawful for him to be fed from the gospel. Much more also did the apostles spend, but those teachers also in their time have spent more who have interpreted both the Old and New Testament, for which they shall receive their reward. Ambrose, Blessed then is that innkeeper who is able to cure the wounds of another, Blessed is he to whom Jesus says, Whatsoever thou hast spent more, when I come again, I will repay thee. But when wilt thou return, O Lord, save on the judgment day? For though thou art ever everywhere, and though standing in the midst of us, art not perceived by us, yet the time will be in which all flesh shall behold thee coming again. Thou wilt then restore what thou owest to the blessed, whose debtor thou art, Would that we were confident debtors, that we could pay what we had received. Cyril, after what has gone before, our Lord fitly questions the lawyer, Which of these two three thinkest thou was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? But he said, He that showed mercy on him, for neither priest nor Levite became neighbor to the sufferer, but he only who had compassion on him. For vain is the dignity of the priesthood, and the knowledge of the law, unless they are confirmed by good works. Hence it follows, and Jesus saith unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Chrysostom, as if he said, If thou seest anyone oppressed, say not, surely he is wicked. But, be he Gentile or Jew, in need of help, dispute not. He has a claim to thy assistance, and to whatever evil he has fallen. Augustine, hereby we must understand that he is our neighbor to whomsoever we must show the duty of compassion, if he need it or would have shown if he had needed it, from which it follows that even he who must in his turn show us his duty is our neighbor, for the name of neighbor has relation to something else, nor can any one be a neighbor save to a neighbor but that no one is excluded to whom the office of mercy is to be denied is plain to all. As our Lord says, do good to them that hate you. Hence it is clear that in this command by which we are bid to love our neighbor, the holy angels are included, by whom such great offices of mercy are bestowed upon us. Therefore our Lord himself wished also to be called our neighbor, representing himself to have assisted the half-dead man who lay in the way. Ambrose, for relation does not make a neighbor, but compassion, for compassion is according to nature, for nothing is so natural as to assist one who shares our nature. End of chapter 10, verses 23 through 37.